Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. Hi there, I'm Andy, one of the pastors here at Salt. And it's great to be looking into God's Word together with you. Uh, Keep that passage in Romans 12 open. We're going to be working our way through that together. But here's a question though. Is our society, do you think our society is becoming more narcissistic? Do you think we're becoming more narcissistic, more self-absorbed? Children are normally pretty self-absorbed when they're they're young. They naturally think of themselves at the center of the world. Uh, It's a view that we generally grow out of. That's a view we generally grow out of. But for the first 10, 15 years of our life... We naturally think of ourselves as the center of everything. It's a, a t- Ptolemaic view of the universe. Ptolemaic. Ptolemy, he was a classic, uh, classical Greek astronomer. He proposed a mathematical model for our, for our universe with the earth at the center and all the stars and planets revolving around it. And uh, as kids, we can have that kind of view. We think of ourselves at the center of what's going on. And you see that when, when a couple gets divorced and the kid thinks it was their fault. And you've got to think, how bad do you have to be as a kid for your parents to get divorced over you? Of course, that's not what's happening. There's, there's a million other things going on. It's not you. But as a kid, you just think everything's all about you and goes through you. It's a normal thing, but we grow out of it. We grow out of that kind of thinking. But every now and again, we slip back into that type of thinking. We slip back into thinking that we are at the center of the world, or at least more important than those around us. And the rise of social media certainly hasn't helped. Uh, it's so easy now to compare your life with the life of others and to quietly judge whether you think you're doing better than them or, or worse than them. And suddenly the opinions of strangers matter. And so you carefully curate what you post online to ensure maximum reinforcement just as we also approve or disapprove of what others post about themselves, because it's all about me. It's all about you. YouTube, even the name, YouTube, it's about you. And you don't create a YouTube account, you create a YouTube channel, just like a TV channel, but a channel that's all about you. The things that you want to post, videos, whatever. And people watch and commented and, and they it's all about you. I'm not blaming social media here. I, think, I don't think social media is the problem. I think social media enables the problem. Because I think the problem is us. I think the problem is that we haven't fully grown out of that Ptolemaic view of the world. We slip back into that. We still have the tendency to put ourselves at the center of everything, including church, including how we view church. And so you can have a Ptolemaic view of church, thinking that church is here for you. And you end up with a church full of people that think church is all about them and here to serve their needs. And that's a huge problem. It's a huge problem, which is why we have these three verses in the Bible here for us. Because as Christians, we're called to die to ourselves. And this tendency to put ourselves above others has to be one of the first things to go. But how do we do that? Well, it requires our minds to be renewed. We saw this last week. And to have a correct view of ourselves and a correct view of others and the church that God has made. And we'll see it has to do with an 80s cartoon called Voltron. So how about I pray and we'll jump into this passage. 
Uh, Lord, we thank you that uh, we can meet uh, together virtually from homes and uh, be looking into your word. We pray that your spirit would be at work now, uh, helping, helping us understand your word. Uh, we pray that you would help us learn more about what it is to follow you and to love you and to love others. Amen. Well, over the last two weeks, we've been working through Romans 12, chapter 12, and the first two verses shows that God needs to be at the center. Verse 1, we saw that God tells us that in response to the mercy that we've been shown in Jesus, we're to give God our life, our whole life, because our life is not ours anymore, it's His. And last week, we saw from verse 2 that God is transforming our minds by His Word. So those two verses are about how we relate to God us and God, this kind of vertical relationship. And the rest of the chapter of Romans chapter 12 is about how we relate to others, the horizontal part of being a Christian. In verse 3, first thing we're told is to have an accurate view of ourselves. We need to self-assess and see yourselves as you truly are. Have a look at verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather... Think of yourself with sober judgment. So we don't naturally have an accurate view of ourselves. We often think too much of ourselves or or we think too little of ourselves. What we're told, though, is we need sober judgment. Sober judgment, that means clear-headed thinking, an accurate self-assessment. We need to view ourselves as we really are. But how do we do that? Well, first, it's through the renewed mind that we looked at last week from verse 2 that God is changing us, changing our minds, so that we see things His way. Then the second half of verse 3, we get another basis for this accurate self-assessment, how to view ourselves correctly. It's the faith that God has given to us. Have a look at the second half of verse 3. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So God's telling us an interesting thing here about faith. And if you're a Christian, if you trust Jesus, then that faith, that trust, has come from God. It's God at work within us that enables us to trust Him. The faith that we have is a gift from God. That means we can't boast. And so that's going to help us with our self-assessment, isn't it? We're only following God because He's enabled us to, which is the same as everyone else who follows God. We're all, we're all the same. We're therefore no better or no worse than any other Christian. But I do want to pause and quickly look at that word distributed. What does it mean that God has distributed faith to us? It's a bit of a strange, strange thing. Two options, I think. First, God has given each of us different amounts of faith. That he might give you a little bit of faith and someone else more faith and someone else even more faith. He goes around and we each get different amounts of faith. Or God gives us all the same measure of the faith. And it's this faith that God has given us. It's that that helps us to have an accurate view of ourselves. And when you come to a tricky part of the Bible, it's always important to look at the context. I think the context can be really helpful. And you can go either way on, on what this one means. But I think the context in the next few verses leads me to believe that it's the second option, that God gives us the same faith. And that's what unites us together. So therefore, we let the faith shape how we view ourselves. 
the faith is the things that we believe, the gospel. God gives us the gospel, the faith. That's given to us from God and that is what unites us. All Christians have the faith in common. So view yourselves through the lens of the gospel. It's not about who you are. It's not about what you do. Those things don't give you your worth. You're chosen, you're loved by God because you have the faith. Because you follow Him. Just like every other Christian, we're equal, we're all united. We all have the same faith, this uniting faith from God. And He's the one who gives it to us. It's not ours to begin with. So we shouldn't think of ourselves as more important than anyone else or more important than we really are. We can't allow pride to slip in to how we think. We can't let despair creep in either. We can't compare ourselves to each other. Instead, we need humility. We need humility. And humility is a tricky thing. I remember having a conversation uh, with with an old friend of mine from a place I used to work at. And she was asking why... We're talking about men holding the door open for women. She was asking, why do they do this? Why do men do this? I was saying, I hold the door open for for women and for men. Because I just think it's a way to serve other people. I think it's a good thing to do. And we're talking about humility. And she couldn't understand. How is humility any different from self-loathing? How is that different to hating yourself if you think of others more than yourself? I was trying to explain that as a Christian, I try and follow Jesus' example. I try and put others before myself. It doesn't mean I hate myself. It just means I try and think of others more. And later I thought of this Bible verse that captures the idea of humble service, what Jesus did really well. This is what he did in Philippians chapter 2. Uh, It talks about how Jesus is the example for us to follow, and it says this. Really helpful for us as we think about how we relate to others. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the other. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who... Being in their very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus... Every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. That's how Jesus did it. That's what humility looks like. And if anyone has an excuse not to be humble, it's Jesus, the creator of the world. And yet, he shows humility. He humbles himself to the point of dying. So he's our example of what it looks like to put others first. He's the servant king. He's the king that we offer our bodies to as living sacrifices. And so following him is going to look like being like him, living like him. We're not called to die on a cross, but we are called to put others before ourselves. Not looking to our own interests, but to the interests of others. That's the Christian life. That's the Christian life. Jesus first. Others second, ourselves third. We want to be like Jesus in how we view ourselves and how we view others. We need that right, sober judgment 
right way of thinking. We need the gospel to be changing and shaping our hearts and minds, to give us an accurate self-assessment of ourselves. It comes from knowing that even our ability to trust God comes from Him. And we're united in that same faith that He's given us. So that's the reason for our sober assessment. But the bigger reason is the next two verses. We see that we're all one body. We're all one body. Have a look at verse 4 and 5. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So our bodies are a collection of lots of different organs and limbs and different parts all working together. Each part is different, and yet each part is important. I remember in Year 9 Science, the lesson that we were looking forward to all year was the lesson biology lesson of dissecting a frog and eventually a double period came we lined up and we saw in the classroom that there were trays scattered around the room with a dead frog belly up in the middle of each one and we're like yes this is the (laughs) we're gonna get to finally finally do it and we spent the rest of the lesson with scalpels carefully or not you know you know boys sometimes not so carefully cutting open these frogs and exploring what was inside, looking at all the different organs. And I remember being amazed at just how tightly packed this little frog body was, and that everything it needed to survive was in there, just so small and so intricate. And then you, you pin it down, and you fill it with water, fill the tray with water, and all the organs kind of floated out, and you could see them. You could see the liver and the heart and the whatever else was in there, I can't remember. But all those things, all those things are in there. Each part so vital and so important, and yet so tiny. And here Paul uses the metaphor of a body to explain, to help explain something about our church. That just like a frog has all these different parts, all these different parts that all work together, our church is made up of different parts. And the emphasis here is the word different. We're not the same. Imagine if I open up the frog and it was just full of elbows, little tiny frog elbows. That would be weird. What kind of, how, how is this frog even alive? Well, it's dead, but how was it alive? That would just not make any sense. The frog needs all the different parts to live. That's the whole point. And our church is made up of different parts. We're not all the same. We're all different, and that's a good thing. And we'll see in a few weeks that God has given us different gifts and different skills, and we're going to use those different gifts and different skills for each other. We all have different functions. And we're all using our differences for a specific purpose. That's what we're doing. Have a look at verse 5. That's what it says. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We belong to each other. When I opened up the frog, I wasn't surprised to see that everything was connected to everything else. It was all attached. Likewise, we belong to each other. We, Salt Church, belong to each other. This is what it is to be part of the church body. We belong to each other. But what does that mean? Obviously, it doesn't mean physically, we're not physically connected. And we don't all hold hands at church or anything like that. If you're visiting online, you're thinking about coming next week, we're not, there's no holding hands here. Sorry, not, don't expect that. But what, what does it look like then? Because we're all you know, physically separate, but we're all spiritually united together. We're connected together. We belong together together we're not separate 
So the church isn't just a club of individuals who, who love Jesus and we all get together and have this thing in common and we sing some songs. That's not what church is. We do those things. But church is a group of people that God has smushed together to form one body. We're, we're united together. So we can't think of ourselves as better than anyone else at church because we're all one. We're all we're one body. There isn't some kind of invisible ladder ranking system at church and you need to work out where you are and that. No, there's just one rung and we're all on that same rung together. We're one body. We belong to each other. And here's what that means. In one word, what this means is responsibility. This is what it looks like, responsibility. We have a responsibility for each other. Being the body means we're all different and we need each other. We need each other. We have responsibility for each other. You need others at church and they need you. You might be the liver of our church. I can't remember what the liver does, but it's small and insignificant. (laughs) But without you, we can't process toxins or whatever livers do. We need you. Was that kidneys? Livers. I think it's livers, yeah. Whatever it is, we, you're important. Who knows what you do? Um, but we need each other. We have responsibility. You have responsibility to the rest of us, and we have a responsibility towards you. We need you. And a liver by itself, off by itself, is no good either. It's no good either by itself. You need us. We need you. You need us. We all need each other because we belong together. We're like a body. Together we form the church, God's precious, precious church. It's a bit like Voltron. Now, I got this last year. This is the nerdiest thing I've ever done in my life, uh, but also pretty great. Um, My wife and kids gave me this. This is a Lego Voltron. Um, Obviously not life-size. But if you don't know what Voltron is, some of you guys have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, It's an 80s show, probably one of the top hundred shows of all time. Um, It was pretty good when I was a kid. It was the best show, but not anymore. Um, But it was a good show from the 80s. And how it worked is, so these all come apart. There was these five lions. Oop, I broke it. There was these five lions, and they all got pilots inside them. And they're all kids for some reason. And uh, they all fight bad guys, pretty much. And so each of the lions have have a pilot in them, and they all fight and go off and do stuff. And the first 20 minutes, they try and fight the bad guy by themselves, and you know, separate, and they always fail. And they're like, oh, that's right, we can form Voltron. In the last five minutes, they form Voltron, and it's like Power Rangers. Power Rangers ripped it off. But anyway, they form Voltron, and then defeat the bad guy, and then they win, and then it's the end of the episode, and the same thing happens next week. Um, so it's pretty much, anyway, pretty, pretty cool thing I made with my, with my kids. Uh, but it's helpful to remember... We kind of think of church a bit like Voltron. I'm going to put this down. Stop playing with it. Uh, we kind of think of church a bit like Voltron. We're separate. We're off doing our own thing. And then, oh, we need to come back together. And we come back together to... Uh, but that's not it. That's not true. We're not a body that randomly comes together every now and again. We've already been joined together. We've already been joined together. We, we've already formed Voltron. We've already done that. It's like we're not told to be the body. We are the body. 
We already are the body. We've already been smushed together. We're called to look like the body because we are. Act like the body because we are. We're called to put others before ourselves, even when it's hard, even if we don't want to. Because that's what a body does. And this is unpopular. This is hard. We love our independence. We love our individual freedom. We love to be able to come and go whenever we want to not have responsibility for others. It's easy just to do what you want when you want. But God doesn't believe in individualism. Just like God is not an individual, God is made up of a community of three, three persons, Father, Son, Spirit, Trinity. And as his people, we're called to live in a similar kind of community with others. We belong to each other. And so it's crucial that our church reflects this responsibility towards each other. So let me tell you about two churches. Two churches. The first church has not read Romans 12, this passage. They don't follow it. They don't look... On the surface, they look okay. It looks like an alright church to be part of. But after a few weeks, you realize it's actually not a good church. It's actually an awful church. You go along and people only talk to their friends. Uh, people only go to church when they've got nothing else on, or small group when they've got nothing else on. Uh, there's a church email every week that goes out with the name of the biggest financial givers that week. And people give to try and get onto that list so that everyone sees. Uh, there's infighting. People organize mission events to sell their small business products. People are all about, all about making themselves look better. And that invisible ranking, comparing themselves to others, trying to outwork each other. Well, people feel despair because they're never as good as someone else. What an awful church to be part of. That's not what a church, that's not what a church should look like if they're a body. But sadly, these are all things that I've heard of churches doing. They're not new things. And so that's a real temptation for us to kind of slip into some of this thinking. So we need to hear Romans 12, 3 to 5. We need to take to heart what God is telling us, even though it's not easy, even though it is hard, hard work. Uh, In 1630, a group of pilgrims left England and they sought a new life in America. And so they got in a ship, they left, and they were arriving in what is now Boston. And shortly arriving... Shortly before arriving, John Winthrop, he's the governor of this new colony, he stood up on the deck and he gave this sermon about the type of people that they were to be, this new colony was to be. He wanted them to be like a church. He wanted them to be like a body. And the description that he gives is is pretty great. Have a look on the screen. He says this, We must be knit together in this work as one person. We must entertain each other in brotherly affection. We must delight in each other, make others' conditions our own, rejoice together, mourn together, labor and suffer together, always having before our eyes our commission and community in the work as members of the same body. So shall we keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. If he can describe a town this way, how much better to describe an actual church like this? How much better? Mourn together, labor together, suffer together, rejoice together. We're one body. We share our lives together. The good and the bad. We put each other first. 
not ourselves. So what is that going to look like? What kind of church would that be? A church that follows Romans 12. Well, I think it's a much better church. It's going to be a church where people are committed to you. A church where people don't just talk to their friends, but they talk to you as well, and they welcome you and encourage you in how you're going. And if you're sick, you can't get to church, they call you up, contact you, see how you're going, check you're all right. If you're not, then they drop some meals off at your house. A church where you get invited over to people's house for lunch or for dinner during the week. A church that's encouraging you as a Christian. At church, people ask you, how are you going? And they actually listen and care about the answer. And they ask how they can be praying for you, and they actually do pray for you during the week. That sounds like an amazing church, doesn't it? Who wouldn't want to be part of that church? But that's what this church, that's what the church that takes these verses seriously is going to look like. But that's not us. We've got moments. I think sometimes we do really well at this. Uh, Karis and I, we were really cared for. We had some kids in hospital last year, this year. And uh, we were blown away by the love and support of our church. We had a fridge full of food, uh, people dropping off meals multiple times a week for months, and people doing our washing and walking our dog and all these kind of things. It was amazing. Uh, I know These kind of things do happen. It's amazing. But if you've been at Salt for a while, you'd also know that we do fall short of this ideal. We're not perfect. We've got a ways to go. We don't always love each other. As we should. And so, what would it take for us to become more like this church? What would it take for us to become more like expressing that body that we are? It means these verses shaping us as individuals and how we have responsibility for others and how we relate to others. It looks like you doing these things, not just expecting them to be done for you. You having responsibility for others here at Salt. So, for us to become more like this church that we're meant to be, it will require each of us stepping up. So if you see someone who's not at church during, on Sunday, you contact them during the week and ask how they're going. And if they're not well, then you drop some meals off to their house. Uh, we want to be part of a church where people are committed to us and come along every week and encourage us and ask us how we're going. But that means you being committed to others and you coming along each week and you asking people how they're going and you actually caring about the answer and listening to them and then you actually praying for them during the week. It looks like you doing those things, us all doing those things together. It means like you just not just talking to your friends, but you go out of your way to welcome others and help and encourage others and help them to feel valued. It looks like you inviting others over to your house for a meal. It looks like you investing your time into other people, your energy into the others here at church. How does that make you feel? (laughs) You hear that and you're like, oh, man, that's a lot of work. And it is. I'm not saying it's easy. I don't think we're under any disillusion that it's going to be easy. It certainly doesn't come naturally. But it's important because in Christ we're united to each other. And therefore, we have responsibility for each other. And God, by His Spirit, gives us the energy to do that. So we want to keep trusting God and relying on Him to help us as we do that together. We're not doing it on our own. But it's hard as well. I want to acknowledge it's hard to talk about this stuff now because 
we haven't seen each other for months. You know, we've been in lockdown, stuck at home, watching church on a screen. It's not the same. But next week, we're coming back. And you might not feel ready to come back next week, but over the coming weeks and month, we'd love you to come back. So we can see each other in, per- in person and do some of this together. It's really hard to do it from home in isolation. It's a lot easier to do it together on a Sunday. So when you, as soon as you can, come back to church. In the meantime, there, there, there might be other ways that we can express some of this belonging to each other. The thing I've found hardest about lockdown is not being able to do some of this. So I'm really looking forward to being back together in the same room so we can do some of this and live like we are the body together because we need each other. Our church needs you and you need the rest of us. And once we, get start, once we start gathering again on a Sunday, I reckon really helpful, decide if you're going to be there or not. Uh, don't decide every week. Just decide once. Don't decide every week. Because if you decide every week, you get to after lunch on a Sunday and you think, am I going to go to church this afternoon? Yes or no? Half the time you won't. There'll be something else that you'd rather do or come, something comes up. So just decide once. Am I going to go to church at 5 p.m.? On a Sunday afternoon at 275, once we open up, yes or no? And if the answer is yes, just block it in every week. Don't miss out. Because when you're not here, we miss out. We miss out. It's like Voltron's only got one arm, you know, off one arm off doing something else. We need each other. We need each other here, so that's important. So I think, am I going to be there every week? Yes or no? Don't think every week, because you won't end up coming half the time. Also, I think... I'm going to go to church unless blank. Unless what? Unless something ha- this happens, I'm going to be at church every week. Unless I'm sick, or unless I'm on holidays, or unless I'm... Think of that through. Have a think what that could be. Because committing to church means missing out on other stuff. Um, my kids, we have... They'll come home very excited from school, back in the days when they used to go to school. Um, and they'll have a party invite from a friend. But a bunch of their friends are going to a friend's party and we look at it and we think, oh, it's on Sunday morning. Ugh. And so we have to have a conversation. I'm sorry, you can't go to this friend's party because we've got church at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. And church for us is really important and we get to have to talk a little bit about church and priorities and things. And maybe we can go after and you be a bit late or whatever it is. But for us, our family, we build our family's calendar around church so that we're here every week because it's so important. And that means missing out on good things. So you're going to miss out on good things so that we can be here together. And that's going to happen. And that's a bit sad, but this thing that we do is so good. Don't miss it. Come to church every week. That's a great way for us to express being part of the body, gathered as God's people. And come along with an attitude of responsibility towards others, looking to invest in others and encourage others and build others up because you're not your own. You were bought by Jesus to belong to him and to belong to others. So what would it look like for you to express this belonging at salt? How can we as a church better express this body idea? We're not doing it on our own. God has given us the gift of each other. So let's use this great gift to help grow us to be more like Christ. As Winthrop said, let us delight in each other. Let's make others' conditions our own. Let's be a church that rejoices together, mourns together, 
labors together and suffers together. Let's always have before our eyes our commission and our community in the work as members of the same body. That's what we're doing. It's an incredibly beautiful thing that we get to do. How about I pray that we would reflect this body? Let's pray. Our Lord God, we thank you for church. And we thank you for Jesus and that through the mercy you've shown us in Jesus, we're united to you and we're part of uh, what you are doing in the world. We're united to you in Christ. But we're also united to each other, that we form a body here at church. We pray you'd help us to reflect that body, help us to put others first, help us to be humble, uh, help us give us that sober-mindedness in how we view ourselves. We pray that instead we'd be loving each other, working hard at putting each other first, that we'd have responsibility for each other. We pray you'd help us in this hard work. We pray you'd give us your spirit to help us to love you and to love others more and more. Amen.